we did one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Hey, they're in order starting with one over here. Numero uno. Well, good morning, church family. So we're, we're clearly doing something different this morning, but I think you're going to find it edifying. I hope you find it challenging. And I am, uh, I'm just excited. Let me do a little explaining. Um, so it's an unconventional Sunday morning gathering for, for Stones River. Uh, if you're like me, the, uncondi- the unconventional is, uh, is life-giving. Um, but not because conventions are bad, but because uh, sometimes having an argument with my habits wakes me up to the possibility that God is doing a new thing. If you're not like me, um, I invite you to blame John McPeters. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, actually, actually, I'm to blame, and I'm going to share a little bit of that blame with my wife. But um, that's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for some time, she and I have discussed a feeling of frustration with what seems like a big gap between, on the one hand, uh, the dis- the disciple-making work that John frequently mentions in his sermons, and on the other hand, the practical life of Stones River. Um, it's, it's just not clear to us, and maybe not to you, as clear as it could be, um, how the congregation is related to this work, how our members, all of us, might be sort of ideally engaged with this work, or even, um, just to be frank, what exactly the work is, what's going on, what's happening um, so I've had various conversations with John about uh, disciple making, and I've even tagged along once to the hookah bar, um, but, but it's still just a bit foggy what's going on and what that activity has to do uh, with John's role as the paid minister here at Stones River, who is therefore not only discipling them out there, but also discipling us in here. There's got to be some sort of organic connection in my mind, and that's part of the curiosity that, that propelled this idea. Um, and that's not a criticism of John, by the way. He's been cautious about imposing on Stones River an agenda that chronologically just developed after he became the, the minister here. And so uh, I think that caution is commendable and understandable, but now I, I, I for one, would just love to to make some connections and understand more fully what's going on. So um, I I hope that the clarification this morning serves you all in that way. Okay, so the bread, the organization that our guests represent, is supported financially by Stones River. And um, we donate the use of Taylor Place for office space. So there's already, you know, one kind of significant investment here. And we might naturally want to understand it as supporters. And I promise, um, I, I wrote all this before Mike made his comments and without consulting, okay? But so here, here's, here we go. I don't want you to think of this as a mission Sunday uh, where missionaries give a report on the work. Uh, I've done a bunch of those as a missionary. So I know they're useful, 
particularly for the missionaries, right? Um, but too often that sort of activity gets taken over by our culturally shaped instincts with the result that we act like investors assessing our returns. Um, this is not Shark Tank this morning, okay? That's already the wrong way to think about ministry supported at a distance, but our conversation this morning is different for another reason, too. Um, This work is right here in Murfreesboro, where our church family is called by God to bear witness to the good news of the kingdom. We're not talking about their work this morning, but our work. We're not talking about something we give money to, as important as that is. That's not the topic. We're talking about a model of what it means to participate in God's mission. As disciples who live in this city. Not because, um, so so these, these brothers have chosen to put themselves on the front lines of mission in Murfreesboro. And they do that not not because it's their day job or because they're gifted in ways that none of us are or can be. Uh, Gifts are given by the Spirit, so uh, that's that's an open question. But because they believe that Jesus calls his disciples to make disciples. So they engage in specific practices. They behave in intentional ways. They focus their prayer and energy and resources on certain relationships. And they spend time thinking together about what those practices and behaviors and relationships should be. Of course, this isn't the only model of mission that Stones River needs to contemplate as we move together toward more faithful witness. But it is the model that's already unfolding right here in our midst. So I challenge you to listen, to imagine, to rejoice, and to pray this morning as we hear from our speakers. Now then, here's what we're going to do. I've asked that each of our bread representatives prepare a story. This is testimony. This is a church practice from the days of the apostles, about what has happened as they've sought to make disciples in Murfreesboro. I'm going to function as an interviewer, ask hopefully clarifying questions and a timekeeper um, so that we, you know, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll, <laughs> let, we'll let the spirit move, you know. It's, We're it's, here till uh, 2 o'clock today. Yeah, Just want to let you know. It's a come and go sort of a situation. That was a joke. <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to spend a significant portion of our time in prayer about what we hear. We're going to move from testimony to prayer to testimony to prayer. Uh, some of that prayer is going to be in groups, hence the setup. Um, and some of that is going to be corporate prayers um, led by uh, one of our sisters. Uh, so John's going to start off with the big picture. And then we'll try to fit the pieces into that big picture as we go along. And then we'll, conf- we'll conclude with communion together and an invitation. So here's the cliffhanger to a season of prayer here at Stones River. So 
John. Yeah. I'll, I'll pray real quick, guys. You guys just pray with me as I pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, uh, I just I pray that uh, everyone in here, all of us, we would all have an open heart and open mind to what you want to speak. Um, I pray that we would all listen so intently to what you are saying. Father, I pray that uh, any agendas that are in our hearts or any kind of right off the cuff reactions that we have or that those just be silenced and we just be so clear to hear holy spirit what you are saying speaking and doing um so just bless this time let this be a time of togetherness of oneness of bringing together of harmony of peace in the spirit holy unity holy oneness amidst this body in Jesus' mighty name amen um i invite you to to just uh Turn your chair around if you got one of the ones facing the back. If you want to feel, feel relaxed, feel comfortable, we can move chairs. If you want to move among groups at different prayer times, that's fine. Consider typing down or writing down some things that come to mind as you listen so that you have some things to pray about when we move to prayer time. Um, and without further ado. All right. Good morning, everyone. You're supposed to say that when you speak. Everyone that starts talking has to ask everyone good morning or how's everybody doing this morning? How are y'all doing this morning? <laughs> All right. All right, so I'm going to try to tell this story as succinctly as possible. Um, I would say it probably dates back to about 10 years ago or so. Uh, whenever in the 2000s, in the early 2000s, there's this big explosion of church planning movements. Do you guys remember that? Like that's when the experience came up and all these people were planning churches all over the place. There was new churches coming up everywhere. And uh, I was part of that. And as I was doing that and I was planting a church, I kept listening to one of my friends, Sean Steckbeck, um, talk about these crazy moves of God that were happening in other countries in Africa, as John King has shared with us, if you guys are familiar with that, in, in China, in Myanmar, where Sean's at, in, in Israel, where Sean's at. And these movements were focused on simple obedience to Jesus's command to make disciples. And I know that that sounds really simple, but for someone that's caught up in this church world of Sunday mornings, or like you have these conversations and everything's pretty much centered around what does Sunday morning look like? What is our, you know, this and what is that? And who's going to pray? And what does our worship look like? And all these things going on. The idea of the simplicity of let's just be obedient to Jesus when he said, go make disciples of all nations. Um, it kind of took me back. I'm not just going to be real. Like we're in the midst of all this. That kind of took me back. And I asked Sean questions about, well, what do you do? What do you mean? What's going on? And when I found out things like unbelievers were participating in bringing unbelievers to Jesus, <laughs> um, whenever baby Christians were bringing people to Jesus by the droves and not only just bringing them to the Lord, but they were becoming disciples who would lay down their lives for Jesus and were and live their lives for Jesus and for his kingdom. I'm like, what's going, you know, like I'm sitting here and, and I'm part of a church and I'm thinking, man, what are we doing? Like, you know, and around that time, again, uh, Justin and I were doing some stuff. And so I ended up doing a house church, um, hoping to participate in this. One of the, the big things that God spoke to me while I was planting the, the more traditional church that he was showing me was that in the midst of all this planting church, planting church, planting church, I met with a lot of like little past, not little, pastors of churches around here in Murfreesboro, some big churches. 
And when we would ask, like, hey, what advice do you have? We would get advice like 1030 service is the optimum time to start service. It always rubbed me the wrong way. Like, it was quest- that's what we were talking about. And I'm like, what? Like, is this what Jesus died for so that we can have 1030 service and do three songs, three fast and two slow songs and do communion in between? Is, did he die for that? And it, it, was, it was really hurting on my heart. And then uh, Sean challenged me with what did Jesus call his church to do? Now, there's a lot of things that Jesus called his church to do. But this big idea of making disciples encompasses all these things that Jesus calls his church to do, to give and to do all these things. And he says, what does he tell us? He tells his disciples, he tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. What does he say about his church? Jesus doesn't even use the word ecclesia, but a couple of times, but he talks about his church in other frames and stuff like that. But when he talks about his church, one specific time he tells Peter, Peter, on this rock, who will build his church? I, Jesus is talking about himself. He said, you go make disciples, I will build my church. And I realized we have it backwards. We're trying to build churches, and then we never make disciples. Anyone ever thought about that? That's what I was doing. I was planting churches, and we were planting really good churchgoers. Jesus didn't say, go plant churches, and he didn't say, go do services. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And uh, so I started a house church, which was, there were some really positive things there, except for we struggled to be missional. We were really good internally, and we one another each other pretty well and different things, but like my heart ached because there was people that are broken in our city, and we were, we'd served at Journey Home here and there. We did some things that good churchy people do, but like we didn't have a heartbeat to be one another in community and be missional. And that was right before I came here. When I came here a year or so afterwards, Justin quit his job to go, let's see if we can make disciples. Let's focus on that. Jesus will build his church. And you can talk on your microphone. It was right, be- right before you started here. We oh, was it before then? May of 2016, you started here. But you and I had been meeting. We'd been meeting since 2014, and I had been going in 15 with Sean. And then when he would come over, we'd join you at the house church. That's and, true. And um, it was at the end of 2015 I left my career, and I think it was in May that you came here, okay. and the Lord told us to come with you. Okay. And I was still really green when it came to making disciples when I came here, and I mean, I still probably am. Um, but uh, after Justin had been doing it for about a year, trying this out, right, Jay, trying to make disciples, I, that was when I quit my job, because I was a salesman. If you all remember, whenever I came here, I was a salesman for a year and a half or so. Um, quit my job. My wife loved that. She was like, that's great. Just quit your good salary so that you can go do ministry. She was very, very wonderful in that. Thank you, babe. No, I mean, seriously, she was wonderful (laughs) to participate in that. She thought it was crazy, I think. Um, But Justin and I had a lot of, I'm just going to try to speed this up. Justin and I had a lot of failures and a lot of successes. We were going to MTSU, and we were trying to engage students at, like, you know, like the quad area. You guys ever been over there? Students are hanging out, playing guitar, skateboarding, smoking, just hanging out. That was probably our most successful place that we actually engaged students um, was in that just normal life community. We knocked on doors. That didn't go super well. We've done, we tried. You know, you ever just feel like you're throwing noodles against the wall, and you're hoping something sticks? We did a lot of that. Like, we're just like, hey, look at there. It might. Nope, it's not sticking. And and that's what we did. We would start groups of discovery groups, like many of you are aware of. If you don't, it's asking simple questions. What does this reveal about God and people and just different things like that? Just asking simple questions about the scriptures. We started several at MTSU. Uh, Justin, you started some in some people's houses. You know, and so we did different things like that, but none of them 
stu- stuck, like they didn't stand very long. Uh, what's the word? Stuck. 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 None of them. If you know, the more you get to know me, I make up words. Ask Dean Dunning. We do a podcast. He's like, that is not even a word. I'm like, oh, yeah. Anyways, go ahead, Jay. You're going to say something? I think in the beginning, we knew, we, had, we, did, we did it like Westerners where we had lots of knowledge about what was supposed to happen. Yeah. We had lots of ideas, and people had told us, you got to do this, and you got to do this. And so we would go and do that, and, and, uh, and it just wouldn't go well. <laughs> like, and uh, it, like we couldn't get people to adopt stuff. So there were a lot of challenges early on and, uh, with people just cohesion and getting community to start. I think our most successful group was really the Wednesday night group. Jared was a part of that, and uh, it started with one guy, and we baptized some people in his bathtub, got a lot of religious persecution for that. And, um, and then it, people just couldn't hang around. And we, we, it was really hard to get it going. So that we, we yeah. were doing all the stuff that we were told to do, but it just wasn't working right. Yeah, that's right. Um, Justin went to start his tree business, and we're, I'm almost finished. Um, and I remember s- still going to MTSU, meeting some students, starting a few discovery groups, them not sticking too long. And I remember being over there in that Taylor place. Now, this was around whenever I stopped my job, when I started here, Stones River asked if I needed an office. I didn't because I was a business or salesman or whatever. Then I went back and said, hey, you mind? I would love an office. Uh, and it was awesome. Everyone was so wonderful, and they gave us the, the room over there. And that's what Justin, this is where it all started, was over there. And uh, so we did it together. But I remember sitting in that room for many days with tears in my eyes, praying and crying out, God, what am I, what am I doing, God? You know, like I'm crying because like, I'm like, I'm pour, trying to pour my life out here. I don't see anything really happening that much. So I just go back and get my job because this isn't, this is, doesn't seem to be working and just broken, you know, and feeling honestly like a failure to a degree, like, and I'm a pretty upbeat guy if you know me, but I'm just, just crying out and God put me into a season of prayer. And, um, I had two people give these like prophetic words that were just, and I'm not, like, I'm always, I'm not skeptical of prophetic words. I like to discern words. I don't just go, yay, someone said something about me. And I'm and like, I always put it in the back of my mind. But within a week when some, when two people say the same thing, I go, okay, maybe God's actually talking to me. Um, but as an encouragement, well, it started to, good things started to happen about February last year. And y'all remember that was, um, that was when COVID in America really got serious. Uh, I know before then, when we went to Israel, I remember hearing a lot about it, but it hadn't really done much here. And around that time, Seth was getting close to graduating because he graduated last May. The one piece of fruit that was lasting was this guy right here <laughs> that I had been pouring into for, I don't know, a year, you think, Seth? He was doing a lot of evangelism and stuff. He'll share about that. But he, this was my, the one fruit that was lasting. Um, we started... Um, doing some Zoom groups, because I thought, how can I reach people? No one wants to get together because we have this COVID thing going on. And so I thought, well, I guess let's, let's try Zoom. That's actually how the name The Bread even, even came about, but I'm not going to go there. The very first Zoom group we started is the only Zoom group that's still in existence to this day. <laughs> we, I think we had 15 or 20 going at one point. Uh, they've either transitioned to face-to-face or they've just petered out. And the very first person who said yes, and this was just me talking to people. I made some posts on Facebook. Anybody can do this, right? That's what great, we're just some dudes that anybody can do any of this. I made a Facebook post. Hey, if anyone's out there that wants to study the scriptures, no judgment, no twisting anyone's arm, the first person who responded was Miss Eve back there. 
You can raise your hand. Hey, do you do you want to talk about it, Eve, or no? Really quick. You can you can bring it. To, you can he'll bring you the microphone. But you just you share for huh? a minute. You got it. We want to hear you, Eve. This way, you don't have to get up in front of everybody. You can listen. Just right there Eve is wonderful. And if we didn't have Eve in part of our community, we wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> um, Just share uh, just uh, even a couple sentences about the group and okay. maybe where you were or what, what it meant for you. Okay. Um, it was really, I was in a really dark period of my life um, when, the Zoom, when, I, when I found out about the group. Um, it's been a blessing. I know that no matter what, every Wednesday I've got somewhere safe to go and um, learn about the Lord. I've made lifelong friends. Um, they are definitely stuck with me. Um, it is just, it's been an amazing blessing. Thank you, Eve. That's awesome. Oh, that's, that gets me right there. When I, when I see the change that's happened in her life uh, over the last year and a half or something now, my mind is absolutely blown. And it reminds me of why Jesus said to go and make disciples. Which it, it's it's not a it's not a even a once a week thing, is it Eve? It's a it's an every day or every other day. Or I see her all the time, and God's really shown me that. But I'm going to transition it to Seth because we had started a couple of Zoom groups. Seth had done it too, and um, then he graduated in May, and that he is a huge blessing to this. This guy is like Mister Know Everybody. And, you know, if when you're someone like me who has been in a Christian setting for such a long time, I can look around and go, how many unbelievers are really my friends? I can probably count them on two hands, you know. Some of us can't count them on one hand. Some of us can't even count, like, who are, like, deep friends. Uh, this guy is still going to college, so he's got, like, hundreds of them. And I recognized how important it was for us to link up with people. And how vital it was for us to, to see this going. So, Seth, if you have any questions, Greg, you can. Yeah, let me just highlight a couple of things, right? So, uh, part, of the, part of the challenge that we face as American Christians, and John's story is our story, isn't it? We're, we're accustomed to church being about certain kinds of activities in certain places. And we're not accustomed to thinking about discipleship as our intentional formation as followers of Jesus that includes our intentional formation of others as disciples of Jesus. We are, we are accustomed not to thinking like that. But once we get there, once we go, okay, the, the command is mine to obey. The mission is mine to share. Jesus is sending me as a disciple into the lives of other people with the hope that they too might follow Jesus. Once we get there, here's the big problem. We don't know what to do because we haven't been intentionally discipled, so we got no models. And, and then maybe if we're a studious type, we got some information. We can read some books and we can get excited about some things we're hearing. But look, people, we do the things in our lives that we see other people do. We, are, we, we imitate and without models to imitate, we end up going like, well, even if I wanted to do that, I don't know how to do that. So I'm not going to do that. Unless you get really brave and start just trying stuff. 
And that is a gift, right? That's a gift to say, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to try something. That's a gift of courage. Well, so what I want to highlight is that this story is an invitation to every one of us who would sit here and listen and go like, that's amazing and God bless you, but I wouldn't know what to do. Like, the point is, neither did they. This is the model that we have to imitate from where we're starting today. We follow in trust, but not necessarily in skill. <laughs> and, and we learn as we go. And so I'm, I'm so happy that that's, we don't have people sitting up here going like, we're the experts and here are the, you know, here are the procedures. Here's what you guys need to start doing. They're showing us like, this is scary. It's uncertain. We failed a whole bunch. What I've heard is a span of years in which groups have started and then disappeared. And there's been a little bit of lasting fruit and a little bit more lasting fruit. But man, it's not like we're moving from glory to glory here, right? Because discipleship isn't that. It's taking up a cross. Okay, I promise I'll ask questions. I just wanted to, I just wanted to highlight that. So, Seth. Yeah, thanks, Greg. You're awesome, man. Um, I just want to start off by kind of sharing a, a journey that I think will be helpful um, of even how I got to disciple making. So I kind of, I really fell in love with Jesus about sixth or seventh grade. And right away, you know, the church I grew up in, I, I love the church I grew up in, but it was just all about get people to church, get them to church, get them to church, get them to church by any means necessary. Like, I, I literally remember dressing up as a gingerbread man at Christmas and dancing around. Like, I'm not even playing around. And, like, we, we had glow sticks. Like, I, and this, this is a serious part. Like, I, rem- I actually, yesterday, there was a, a friend that I grew up with in high school, and he just died, um, like, a couple days ago. And I said, man, I remember, I was thinking, I remember having a conversation with him about Jesus. And I went and looked at my Facebook Messenger, and my conversation was, Hey man, you should come check out our church because we have glow sticks. And it's not like a boring church. You should come check it out. And I was just like, ooh, it just so saddened me. Um, and so, but that's all I knew. That's all I was taught was get people to church. Okay, I mean, I don't look at that and blame myself. I'm like, that's all I was taught. That's all I knew. And it slowly transitioned into really starting Jesus conversations with people like, hey, you know, really going deep. Do you, are you spiritual? Do you, do you believe in Jesus? And taking people through that. But even, even in, in those types of conversations, I was still lacking because all, all I was able to do for people was not really make, make them, help them become disciples, but just say the sinner's prayer. And I've got numerous people in high school that I've led into the sinner's prayer and they're not following Jesus. Um, most of them, uh, maybe all of them, um, I would lead through the sinner's prayer, and then they would, you know, be good for a couple weeks, but then that was it. And so this evangelism route, you know, I, I, I never really thought of it. I was like, man, I'm doing a great job, and I'm, these people are accepting Christ. It's, it's going great. Um, and so I got to college and kind of kept on that same route, and uh, I ended up being with this group of guys, it was an awesome group of guys, and we ended up taking large teams of people downtown Nashville uh, to evangelize and share the gospel with people. Um, I mean, sometimes we'd have 100 people down there. We were leading teams and had 
different people leading teams, just sharing Jesus with people, praying for people down there. I, it, but again, it was still kind of the same kind of thing, the sinner's prayer. You know, maybe somebody gets healed. Maybe somebody gets a word of knowledge, and they're really impacted. They feel the power of God. Um, and then we come together and share testimonies, and it was great. Yay, yay, yay. But, but again, it was still not, not meaningless, but like I, I wasn't really producing lasting fruit. Um, these guys started coming to, to my life a little bit more, and uh, John started really teaching me about disciple-making. And I, I just I praise God for him because it took me about a year to get it. And he was very patient with me. Like, I, I'll tell you how patient he was because this is powerful, okay? I was about, you know, I was midway in, in fireplace. I was going full at it. You know, we're evangelizing all the stuff. And I was like, John, I have a great idea, man. I, I understand your vision to, you know, to really help these people out and, and don't just leave them on the side of the street, you know, and, and not just do the sinner's prayer and leave them there. How about we make a book and we can write in this book the steps to follow Jesus and we can, we can help them out and I can hand these books out to people after they accept Jesus and, and they'll be good to go. And I'm sure John at that point was like, man, I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm trying to do. But you know what he did? That's correct. He said, okay, let's write it. And he spent time and he wrote a little book with me um, that I could hand out to people. And that may seem like a small thing, but to him, to, to the revelation that he had had, that was probably like grinding his gears to do that. But it was part of the stepstone process to get me to understand disciple making. Um, and so once I started to have the revelation, I was like, I've been doing this all wrong. Um, I was doing good things, and it looked good to the church world. And I, I could get applause, and I could share a testimony. And everybody would be like, yeah, you're awesome. I could never do that. You're talking to people. You're starting relationships. I could never do that. You're talking about Jesus in public at Kroger. Oh, my gosh, I could never do that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Let me, you know. And the more I got into it, I was like, man, this, I don't know if I'm doing anything, really. And uh, so, the process uh, started to change for me. I, I thought I was going to graduate college and go into a you know, traditional church, become a pastor. Um, but the Lord said, no, I want you to totally raise your own funds and go full-time with John and Justin and all these guys. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And so immediately I, I, we, we had all these groups pop up um, because I had a, just a lot of connections in college. I'm realizing now that out of college, <laughs> you don't have as many relationships as an adult in the real world. And so... Uh, anyways, I'll talk about that in a second, but we had like probably 20 groups that were going and it was, it was pretty cool. But what we realized was none of these people really had a firm foundation of where these groups were going. Uh, what was the purpose of them? They were just kind of meeting and studying the Bible together, which was great, but they didn't have any training or equipping to know how to really make disciples. And so what we decided to do was create a training. And so we have this, you know, YouTube videos and workbook links, and we started Zoom training all the people that were leading groups. And we started out with like 20 people on those Zoom trainings. Guess how many people made it to the end? Three. Guess how many people are actually doing it? Two. Um, And so two of those people are doing fantastic. My grandma in Crossville, she's had a group going with ladies. She's 75, okay, and she's got a group with... Praise God, that is so cool. And these ladies, once they came to, these are seasoned church ladies. And they have started in this, 
I'm just, they've been in church since they were, you know, seven years old all the way up to their 80s, you know. And they, once they came into this group, they started to really understand, like, they said, for the first time, I am hearing God. Like, for the, like, they were like, I understand. This is amazing. And scriptures they've seen for, you know, decades, they're like, oh, my gosh. And then they started, you know, baking cookies and taking it to their neighbors and ringing on their doorbell and say, hey, do you need prayer? Like, these 75-year-old ladies going and, and, and doing the work of the kingdom, saying, hey, I, you know, Jesus is really speaking to me about this new neighbor. I know she just got back from prison, so I'm going to go over to her house, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to her um, and see if I can pray for her. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, bake her a cake. And, you know, really amazing things. And then this guy, Brandon, who called me, and I knew him from high school. Um, this is amazing. But he was like, hey, man, I really got to know Jesus. What do I do? He joined one of my groups on Zoom, actually, came to know Jesus. I, I only trained him for like a couple weeks, but he started two groups with his softball league in Crossville. And now the, there's, thir- there's a group of 13-year-olds and a group of 16-year-olds that are leading their own groups now in Crossville. Um, Derek was also part of that training, and uh, Derek, you guys know Derek, um, he's, he's done amazing things in Murfreesboro and Laverne. Um, he had a group, he's got like three groups going on right now, they're, they're kind of struggling, honestly, um, but one specific group was totally unbelievers, and they met at Panera Bread, and they've just stuck with the process of discovery, and they have all came to know Jesus. They were all baptized right back here. Baptized right here. Isn't that awesome? And uh, now Derek's going to start training them on how to start their own groups. Um, so it, it's been a process. But uh, one of the things that I, I want to show this really quickly that I've found um, being out of college, being out of high school. In high school, I was really popular. College, I was really popular. I had a lot of friends. Could, and that's not a brag. That's just, that's just how it was. I could talk to people really easily. I had a lot of people around me. But now that I'm out of that world, it's like, where do you meet people? Like, where, where do you make friends? Um, and something the Lord has been encouraging me to do is find where people are hanging out and join that with something you love. So what do you love to do? Where are people doing it? And so one of the, I love to play sports. So I'm in Murfreesboro right now. I'm, I'm looking up where do people play sports. There's a volleyball league. There's a kickball league. There's a softball league. There's a, you know, ultimate frisbee, all, all this stuff. And I'm like, well, shoot, there's all these leagues already happening. So we're joining a volleyball league this Thursday just to start meeting unbelievers and meeting new people. Um, I'm also, I, I didn't see an Ultimate Frisbee League. I love Ultimate Frisbee. So in order to meet new people, I'm starting an Ultimate Frisbee League. I just created a little Facebook group, and I put Ultimate Frisbee Murfreesboro just invited people to it. And anytime I go out to town and I see an able-bodied person that might want to play Ultimate Frisbee, <laughs> I say, hey, do you want to play Ultimate Frisbee? So if you don't get an invitation, you know that Seth doesn't <laughs> believe that you have an able body. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I... I just asked him to play Ultimate Frisbee. Like, yeah, sure. Oh, follow me on Facebook right here. Um, and so uh, that's, and the reason I'm doing that is because the Lord told me, how can you create intentional communities? Because what we found is we go to these hookah bars, we go to these places, and we have incredible relationships start with one or two people. But then we say, do you have any friends? And they say, no, you guys are my only friends. So one of the God needs, I think, in America is friendship. And so um, kind of where I'm going in my pursuit, I mean, what the bread is doing, we're trying to create intentional relationships and even more so creating communities where people can get to know people or people can make friends and then starting a group uh, amidst that that's already developing, um, an already developing community. So 
that's where I'm at. Thank you so much for sharing that. Isn't that an, an astonishing story of movement and growth? Um, so let me ask a couple of clarifying questions. It sounds like you learned to distinguish between uh, maybe inviting people, maybe people you knew, maybe strangers, to say a sinner's prayer and become a convert to you move from that to a vision of making disciples. Could you explain a little bit more about what does that mean then? What's, what practically does it mean to, to be engaged in, in making disciples or use the word training a couple of times? Um, yeah. and, and, and you've used now making friends as a part of that. What, it, what practically, if I'm trying to imagine, I'm going to do this with one of my neighbors right by my house, what does that mean? That's a great question, and I'll use an example, a real-world example of what that might look like. So this is a a redemption story, I think. Um, A friend that I had in high school, his name is Cole. Uh, He was one of the guys that led the sinner's prayer, I baptized. Um, One of the guys that a few weeks later just didn't mean anything to him. But um, five years later, I find out that this guy lives half a mile down the road. And... He lived in Cross. He, you know, he was one of the guys that um, I, it was really amazing to be part of his life. But I never really caught up with him until like five years later. And I, dro- I see him drive past one day. I'm like, "You're kidding!" So I followed him to his house. I was like, "Bro, what the heck?" And he, you know, we we had some spiritual conversations, and uh, he doesn't know Jesus. And so right now, the process of making disciples. I, I'm, I'm just spending time with Cole right now. I'm just trying to rebuild that friendship and relationship, and I'm sprinkling some spiritual conversations in between. Does that sound like something that any of us could do? Spending time with a person, becoming friends, and sometimes talking about spiritual things. Does that, does that sound like an unbelievably difficult task to make disciples or sound like something that we're made for, that God made us for to be able to relate to other people in this way. That's, that's really, really insightful. It's really important to see that. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it can be challenging. I mean, I'm an introvert, um, and, and not all of us are built like my wife to be, to, to just make everybody feel like they're friends and, the, and that we're all, you know, enjoying each other. And, but, those of us who are, God has given to the church in order to show the rest of us how. I've learned so much from my brothers and sisters who are more relationally wired than I am. So that, okay, I can, I can have conversations and make friends and, and not be so task-oriented. Um, and... and uh, I just I just challenge you is we're gonna we're gonna move to prayer. Um, Can I say something really quick? Yeah, yeah, it's really fast. So you hear stories like that and you go, "Wow, that's incredible." I feel like the biggest moments of transition for what God has done through us have been preceded with prayer and serious prayer. Um, We've gone into a season where we're trying to (laughs) re-cultivate that prayer is a vital part, and you you know. There's the times, and we think we've all experienced where we pray, 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 and then we just, eh, you know, and then we ride those hills and those valleys. But I look at where God has made the big transitions, and every single time it's proceeded 
And we know that when we pray and we yield to God and we trust God, we think, oh, man, does the, my prayers, are they heard? They absolutely are. Sometimes you can be praying like crazy and see nothing. Okay, I've seen that. But oftentimes, that's, you know, it may be two months of praying, you don't see anything, and then all of a sudden, a person that lived in Crossville, what are the dead gum odds that a guy that lived in Crossville an hour and a half away would move five minutes from where this guy is? That's God. And then making the connection is God. So I wanted to kind of encourage us with that as we begin to pray. So, so this first one, we're going to do the group prayer. Um, feel free to, to join another group if you want or, or just pray in, a, in, a, in pairs or whatever. Um, but here's my encouragement. The Spirit's going to lead your group to pray um, about a variety of things. But one of those things, uh, I hope, will be who in your lives is one of those friendships that God is preparing. Who are these people? Lord, show us who we can befriend and give us the courage to do that, to begin entering into those relationships. We're asking for the Spirit to lead us to that. And that's the starting point. That's the starting point. So we're going to just, um, I'll kind of watch and, and see when, when the, everybody's pretty much finishing up. Um, just take, you know, uh, uh, five or so minutes or more. We'll let it go um, to, to pray together about the lessons that we're hearing here and what this means for us. We'll start back in just a moment. Well, let's move move forward with our storytelling, our testimony. Um, after the next one, um, I've asked Natalie to lead a corporate prayer for us. So you can just know that you're queued up, okay? And uh, John's going to introduce Ben. Yeah. All right. I know this is, di- this is all different for everybody. I know we're sitting around, we're praying. Um, we're hoping to see, I think, Greg, you were the one that said that, that being uncomfortable, is, that's often times of growth for us. And if we're uncomfortable praying together without having a shepherd lead the prayer, then that's an area of growth for us, Right. Um, and so that's nothing to beat ourselves up about and to get angry about. It's just an area we can say we can grow, uh, in that area. So Ben, so Seth and I were over here at this Taylor place. Okay. With the office about that time, Sean's not here. He's in Alabama. He's doing a training on disciple making at a church down there. Um, Sean's over here as well. Cause he needed an office and he's been really a, uh, 
spiritual father figure to all of us, even though he's the same age as Jay and close to the same age. But he he's just been absolutely amazing. You will hear his story at another point in time. Um, but we met this guy. This guy met me the first time at Raiders for Christ, and Dean left. So Dean Dunning's not here, everyone. I just want to make sure that everyone's aware of that. He left early. <laughs> I was hoping I would catch him Back before he slider. walked out the door. I was hoping I would catch him. See, I just wanted to point that out. No, I'm just kidding. I can, I can say, I will not say that about anybody but Dean, but Dean and I have a special relationship. This guy comes to Raiders for Christ, and he hears me speaking at Chili and Chuck. If anyone's ever been a part of that, you know, Chuck gets down with the singing. This guy hates me. He thinks I'm an idiot. No, he doesn't like me because I'm too flamboyant, right? Yeah. He thinks right. I'm fake. Um, but he, was, he, start, he came here from Alabama as the l- leader, right, straight up. Is that how you were originally? You can put your mic on and say. Uh, church planter apprentice. Church planter apprentice. And um, started leading MT316, which was a college church plant at the Raiders for Christ building, right? And then give us still your story. Yeah, so I'm employed by North Boulevard Church of Christ across the town. So So North Boulevard, they got all the monies, but we're housing some of their folks over here. How about that? Over at the Taylor Place. Yeah. We love North Boulevard. You also have uh, instruments here, so don't tell any of the staff over there I was here today. (laughs) That was a joke, but really. um, (laughs) Yeah. No, uh, I've always, since, since uh, 16, been preaching, um, been involved in a lot of local churches and stuff, always hungry for more of what God wanted to do, um, and I don't feel like that's by my own doing, but from God, went to Freed Hardman, uh, then came here as a church planner apprentice with North Boulevard, and uh, just the traditional kind of church, which uh, I hope you don't walk away today and hear that we think traditional churches are bad, um, by any means. Uh Raise your hand if you came to faith through a traditional church. Okay, so there you go. Um, so they're not bad. They, they meet a great need, um, and uh, it's really, really important to, to know that. So um, even when I was church planning, like a church planner apprentice at, at North Boulevard, trying to figure out what to do, um, how to reach uh, young adults, how to reach college students, uh, I just knew there was something more to the Lord. So I, I like to read, so I read a lot of books, uh, prayed a lot, um, tried to discover more. And just realize that there was a different way of doing all this by just pressing into God and making disciples. Because when you plant a church, you might get disciples, but if you make disciples, you'll always get a church. Um, so uh, I didn't don't quote me on that because it's not my quote. Um, but um, just trying to be clear about that. Uh, so so I just started getting hungry. Um, I've tried to, and North Boulevard knows this. Maybe not everybody there, but I've tried to quit North Boulevard three times. Um, one of the very ironic things about being a paid minister uh, is uh, usually paid ministers don't know any lost people other than the interactions that they have out in town. Uh, I think that's true for most paid ministers, the majority of, of some, because, you know, you work on your sermons, you care for the people that are sick in your church, you visit everybody in the hospital that stubs their toe, um, and it's just kind of kind of it, and it's not like a, a dish at that, but, you know, the paid ministers have a kind of a different role, and so it really is ironic that in a role like that, the majority of your time, mostly all of your time, is spent mostly, in the best of ways, I mean this, managing Christians. Um, and we need family, we need people coming together, loving on one another and being the church, and everybody has different roles. 
Um, but what I've noticed, or what I started noticing in a pattern in my life, but also other paid ministers around me, is that I really didn't know any lost people. Um, I didn't know people that were far from God, and because so much of my time was taken up doing church things, and that really started to get at me. And so, um, yeah, I met Sean, met these guys, started doing disciple making stuff, and it really has been uh, transformative. Uh, seeing a lot of people um, come to know who Jesus is, uh, not necessarily a lot of salvations, but people just stepping into the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is for the first time. So I'll tell a quick story uh, about that. So um, earlier this year, we started visiting a lot of places, a lot of bars, uh, a lot of hookah bars, um, a lot of different neighborhoods that usually you wouldn't find me in. And so I, uh, so, so we sort of go in this place, and we go to this hookah bar that's really that opened up earlier this year, and it's close to the square. Uh, so I'm by a Hindu family. Uh, I won't say their name. It's just for privacy reasons. But um, started meeting them. They started liking us. Started, I guess, also liking our business that we were bringing them. And just, you know, I don't just love hookah. I mean, it's great and everything. But go do this in order to meet lost people. So it's not like we're just trying to smoke and have a good time and hang out with the guys or anything. Um, I want to make sure I clarify that. But so we've been going there since uh, early March, and now we're here. A few weeks ago, we met this guy. We'll just call him Kay. Uh, he's 22 years old. Um, he's Hindu, and um, he he's there hanging out. We'd never really seen him before, but we're there trying to meet lost people, loving on each other, laughing, having a good time. And so Kay sees us, and he knows there's something different about the group. And it's fine if you interject. He he, he sees us, and he's like a there's something different about you guys. You know, I'm here all the time. I've never seen a group act like the way that you act. Like, you, you I can really tell there's something more to your group. Uh, you, you love each other well. You're laughing, having a good time. You're, you're not cussing. You know, you're, you're just, it's kind of like a pure relationship that you have with one another. So, basically, I don't know how this really all happened, but he sits down with our group, asks if he can just kind of sit in our circle and listen to us talk. And he says, what are you doing here tonight? And our friend Sean, who's also there that night, says, we're about to do what we call a discovery study, where we just kind of discover what God wants to say to us. And Sean says, would you like to be a part of it? And he says, yes. So we circle around. Uh, we read, I think, Genesis 2, and just start asking questions after that about, you know, what do you learn about God? What do you learn about people? How can you be obedient to this passage, and who can you share this with? And so we all go around and answer. Uh, Kay gives some really insightful answers about that passage. And, you know, granted, it's just the Genesis 2, nothing spectacular, anything like that. And so we get through the night, um, do that. Uh, we pray for deliverance for him because he's having a really hard time sleeping, uh, nightmares and things like that. And it's been going on for five years. And so we end the night. Uh, see him a few days later, and he tells us, you know, what's been going on in his life. And he said, hey, I want you guys to know that after that night, I've had some really incredible experiences. He said, for one, uh, it's been five years since I've had a good night of rest. It's been five years since I haven't had a nightmare. And since you prayed for me, I've gotten a great night of rest every single night, and I've had no nightmares. Um, I've been delivered of those. And, um, yeah, incredible. And so... Uh, the next thing he said was, I also want you to know that um, I went to the police station and I also went to my parents and told them and uh, confessed something that I was a part of uh, a few years ago. And it was really, I won't go into the whole story just for his privacy, um, but he was involved in a shooting where his best friend got shot and paralyzed from the neck down. And he has, al Kay has always blamed himself for that. Uh, the police never knew he was involved in that, and his parents never knew. And so the day after we did the discovery study on Genesis 2, just the creation of the world and all that, 
he went and repented uh, before the police officers for something that he had been involved with five years ago. He went and told his parents. And, um, I mean, he just confessed everything. And so, uh, amazing story. It's incredible that he did that. Um, but I, I say all that to say, like, when, when you're thinking about disciple-making, when you're thinking about this, it's nothing flashy. Uh, it's nothing that you have to do that's incredible. You don't have to spend a lot of money, although money is involved. But just think about the power of the Word of God. I think it's really easy to forget. Um, you know, it says that, the Word of God is like a double-edged sword. It can penetrate the heart. It can bring everything to light. And all we did was read um, Genesis 2. I mean, it's not a crazy passage or anything. It's just the Word of God. But to him, to Kay, that story cut him so deeply that he felt as though he needed to go repent of a sin that he had been involved with over five years ago. Um, it's nothing that we did. And it's nothing that you will do, because I believe that you're all disciple makers and will be, if you want to be. Um, but in this business, God will work for you. Amen. You don't have to do anything incredible. Just love people well. Just lo- it's the greatest commandments, loving God and loving others. And trusting that God can do anything, even lead somebody to repentance and confession by reading a story that has nothing to do with that. Um, so God's, God's words won't come back empty by any means. And I think that was a testimony to that just by how powerful the Lord is. We just showed up. That's all you have to do. Makes me think actually real quick that I I think sometimes people think we go out and we're overtly evangelistic, that we go out and we preach. But I think the idea is light shines brightest in dark places. And so we're in environments that are somewhat uncomfortable for Christians, right? Like people come in and we don't want to be telling them, hey, hey, turn the music off or watch your language. Um, so we're, we're around rough people. And not everybody needs to go to that environment. My point is we go, we hang out, we're light because we genuinely care about people and we genuinely love them. And people know that. And that just gets them interested in a relationship, which leads to those kind of conversations. No one preached the gospel to a crowd. No one told them Jesus died on the cross for your sins. None of that, right? Like, just so you, I'm kind of just emphasizing what Justin's saying. We're just loving people. We're meeting needs. And uh, go ahead, Ben. You're going to say something. No, it's nothing. Nothing special. Like anybody can do it. If 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 you like, if you don't think you can do it, God wouldn't give you a command that you can't obey. And so he said, go make disciples. And so he knows that you have everything that you need. And with this Holy Spirit, so much more to be able to complete that task. Even if it's one person or a million. Um, and I tell, like, so I, I try to coach people, especially college students who I'm involved with a lot. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter at the end of your life whether you baptize somebody or disciple, made, a, made a lot of disciples. It, the, what matters is if you're trying, if you're giving it effort. So I don't tell my students to go make disciples. I say go try to make disciples. Um, because... It, maybe you'll never baptize somebody, but what you do and the seeds that you plant will continue on for a long time. But but anybody can do it. Um, like 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 it, Seth is an, an I guess you know by now incredible extrovert. Um, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I didn't like him either when I first met him. Uh, I don't think you like anybody like, when uh, you meet him. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, he's just incredibly touchy and uh, I don't know. Um, wanted to, he wanted to hug every time I saw him and. <laughs> Like, no kidding, I don't mean this offensively, I don't want to talk to any of you when I leave because I'm ready to go home and be by myself. So, <laughs> it's just the honest truth. If you're an introvert, you know what I mean. Um, 
and I'm sure all of you are great people, uh, but that's just the kind, of, kind of, but you know, but it, but it takes a body. Um, so for example, uh, if you're not strong in that way, like for, for example, introverts have a great power of being good listeners and can, can really get deeply involved in somebody's life. And if you're an introvert or no introvert, what you'll kind of discover is that they can make really deep relationships quickly and people can kind of see them as security and a confidence stuff. And not to say that extroverts can't do that or whatever, but I, I just want to show you how God can use the body. So a few months ago, Seth and I, see I'm touching him now. Seth and I, uh, I like him. Seth and I went to a basketball court and I'm terrible at basketball. I don't, have I been invited to the ultimate Frisbee thing? I mean, you said able body. So, okay. So I got my, so I went to the basketball court and, um, we go in, and I'm nervous as everything. I don't, I don't like this. There's people running around and touching and everything, everything else. And so, uh, so Seth goes in, and I kid you not, like this is an exaggeration. Within five minutes, he has ten people we've never met playing a basketball game. He's met every single one of them and has been at their house. You know, it's like it's incredible. It's just the way he is. And like my jaw, every time he's around people and new people, he has a way of just people are drawn to him. That's the way he is, and it's incredible. I've never been that way. I walk into a party and everybody leaves. Uh, it's just, it's just the truth. And Have so, you seen what's happened over the last like two minutes? Yeah. So, uh, but but the way that it worked is like you know, I guess Seth's like meeting all these people. He's met like ten people, then fifteen people, and and making these relationships. And so what I'm doing is I'll play basketball and I'll, uh, I'm terrible at it. So I sit down in the bleachers and let somebody else take my place. But with the people that Seth has kind of made this relationship with, I, I kind of like say, you know, Seth, Seth's bat first batter and I play cleanup. And, and not like in like a bad way or anything, but Seth kind of, it's almost like a funnel. And the way that we work together is really well. And so I would say if you're having a hard time stepping into these things, like God will use the body to com complete what is necessary. And so all this ministry stuff is not one of us. Um, it's it's uh, all of us working together. And so that day, for example, like Seth met all these people, and I just met one, and it turned into a Bible study, and it got deeper. And so, um, so I don't know, just surround yourself with people who can challenge you and that you can go out with and do this stuff because you can't do it alone. Mm, thank you so much. That Again, phenomenal examples and unique lessons in that. Um, I really appreciate the contrast where uh, Seth is is coming from a church experience, but but um, maybe not similar to the very traditional church experience that I infer uh, you and I both grew up in. Um, wh what would you say? Okay. Um, help us imagine just a little bit more. We we go and spend time somewhere. We we intrigue someone. They want to become our friend. We start reading scripture with them, and they have this moment, almost immediate moment, right? How do you conceive of okay? Well, what's next? What does it mean to because because um, here we have somebody convicted, somebody fascinated, but not yet a disciple. So, so where do we go from there? Um, what, what's the, what is becoming a disciple? What is further making this man a disciple mean from your perspective? Um, I guess my first thought is who do they know? I look for their network. Every, so every person you meet is a gateway into a new community. All of you know people I don't know. All of you know people I don't know. Um, and so I'm kind of a door into a whole world of people that you have no idea who they are. And every single person in here, I mean, 
you have to think everybody in here would like if we could like add all this up collectively there's there's maybe 100,000 people in this room that we know and so every person has that community of people so if somebody comes to the lord or um or is doing a discovery study or is open i'm i'm starting to think and i'll ask them is who who do you know that maybe you could share this with who is your community um so for example uh this is r- really interesting on down downtown on the square there's a lot of bars you've probably noticed um and there's one in particular that i enjoy going to not for the beer but for the conversation and um so but one thing that i've I've learned is uh bartenders um every single bartender on the square knows the other bartenders in the square the community there's a community of bartenders that know each other another thing that i've learned is bartenders um are one of the best relational people you'll ever meet in your entire life they have to talk to so many people they have to understand how to deal with people's problems how to help people out how to walk people to their cars i mean they're incredible people um because they have to deal with so much and so uh I haven't been going to this one particular bar for a, I haven't, but I'm, you know, trying to just show up and be there and let people know. But one thing that that I, I try to do is I'll get to know the bartenders because they know everybody. And if say one of them comes to know Jesus or is interested, um, I will never invite that person to church. I hope they never figure out that I work for a church, even though that's kind of inevitable. Um, but start helping them think about how can they reach the community of other bartenders as well. And, um, also make myself like a like a resource so not everybody's gonna be interested in jesus and that's the worst part about this job is there's going to be people that that die and go to hell and that's an awful uh i mean that just that's the part of it and i hate it um but one thing i'll do at all the bars or places that we go to is like the other night i asked jordan one of the bartenders there i said jordan i know you talk to a lot of people i know you have a lot of relationships i, I said i'm a spiritual advisor and I love to talk to people, just one-on-one, help them with them issue, their issues. And I said, if you ever get to a, a, a point and I'm here and you need help, you feel free to tell those people they can come and talk to me and I'll talk them through. And so I'm using lost people to open up their network to come to me. Uh, and, the, and, and I want you to under, like understand lost people introduce you to other lost people and because they want their friends to get help. So uh, another example of this, I was at a different bar um, and I saw the same guy twice at two different bars that night. And so I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, Hey, I've seen you twice. Uh, what's your name? Yada, yada, yada. He turns out, tries to sell me drugs. I said, you know, of course, no, thank you. Um, uh, I don't have the money. Uh, what, <laughs> I don't think my wife would like that very much. Um, so, or my employer, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, and so we start talking. He says, you know, um, I'm really having a hard time. Um, we talk. He asked, I, I asked him if I can pray for him. He says yes and pray for him. I said, would you be interested in meeting up and maybe like discovering more about who Jesus is? He says no. You know, darn. Um, and I says, well, is there anybody else in your life that you know might like to hear this? And no kidding. He said, he said yeah, absolutely. I have this friend named Trey. He got in a car crash last year. He's paralyzed from the waist down. He gave me his number and he said, will you please call my friend Trey? I'll let him know to be expecting your call. Um, nothing came of that. I called Trey, kind of fell through. But one thing it kind of, kind of realized is like, there, there's a light inside each of you. If you're a follower of Jesus, that other people know is incredibly important. Um, and so much so that d- drug dealers and sinful people know other people that maybe you can go help if they don't want to help themselves. And that's what I kind of mean about when I meet somebody that's hungry. What, what is their relationships look like is that was that answer your question that's great thank you yeah that's great 
because um, because again, we're just trying to paint a vision of like, what does this even mean? What are we what are we talking about here? Go make disciples. How do you do that? And and um, have any of you ever thought of yourself as a spiritual advisor? <laughs> I mean, that that sort of mental shift just to recognize that not that you have a whole bunch of advice to give, but that the spirit of God in you means that you are someone that others ought to, to ask, Hey, what should I do? Or I don't, or, or, or confess or, or simply lean on you because they lean on you as you lean on the rest of the church. And there is all the spiritual advice um, that, that we all need. Okay. So, uh, Natalie, will you come up here and, and, and lead us in a prayer? Lord, you are so good. You are so kind to us and you're so patient. And you love so many people. You love everyone. You created us all. And you want us all. Thank you for teaching us. You're teaching us right now through our brothers who have had these experiences and they're sharing testimonies and it's so exciting, Lord. And so many of us are scared. And we have felt like we don't know what we're supposed to do to make disciples and we don't know what that looks like in our lives and are you really calling me, Lord? And what do we do? Spirit, I'm praying that you will work in our hearts and in our mouths, in our walk, and in each day. And please show us who and where and what and how, and let us lean on you. I think about the people that have been touched by those of us in this room, and especially by those who are sharing this morning. And I think if I were one of those people, how thankful I would be that they reached out to me with love from you. You've given us such a big task and such an important task, and it is hard sounding sometimes, but it is so wonderful because you are wonderful. Thank you for the hearts of these brothers that have shared. I pray your blessing on what they continue to do. I thank you for the model that we've seen so far of what is not perfect but what is lovely, what is what you want to see and what you hope for and what our hearts must hope for if we want to be with you. So 
So, Lord, please hold our hand. Hold our hands and walk with us and lead us everywhere you want us to go. In Murfreesboro, in Laverne, in Bedford County, in Cannon County, in every surrounding county, in Davidson County, and everywhere, and in the world. We love your people, we love your creation, and we want to be part of this. So, Lord, please hold our hands and lead us. I pray in your name. Amen. Okay, one more. One more story. One more time of prayer together. Um, We all know Justin but Justin is an integral part of this story, so I want him to fill in that last bit. Sure. Uh, yeah, so a lot of you guys know me. And I was referred to as the tree guy earlier. Um, but I really want to talk to you about prayer this morning uh, as part of this. So early on, we started doing all this out of knowledge and things we had learned and books we'd read and things that Sean and others were teaching us. Um, we didn't really bathe it in a lot of prayer. And um, I, my family and I had left. I left the corporate world, and I was doing missions full-time. I had monthly partners that were part of that. This church was for a year as well, and I really appreciate that. Um, in 2018, right after John left his job to join me, uh, about a year later, uh, we, uh, I was in a season of really intense personal prayer, and the Lord, I, I'd, been, I'd been kind of frustrated because missionaries that I knew were broke and having a hard time feeding their families, and, and I mean, we had been there, and there's some great stories. You guys have heard some of those. Um, and I just was talking to the Lord about my frustration, and that was in early 2018. And in late 2018, as I was in prayer one morning, I heard the Lord say, it's time to go back to work. And I thought that was going to be back to the corporate world, and I worked in healthcare tech. And instead, the door that opened uh, was for me to get more into doing tree work and stump grinding after a hurricane. And so I took off to go and do that. And as I did that and as I prayed, the Lord began to speak to me about starting a business back home that would fund my family, feed my family, and fund the teams of people that I'd been crying out to. Yes, I am too, thankful for the Lord. Uh, and, and so... Um, and so I started a business, and, um, and, and by any uh, modern measure from a business perspective, it's been extremely successful. Um, and so but what's important to that is, is, is through that time, I began to really get discouraged that I was not with these guys every day. This was where my heart was. And I'm, I'm sharing that because my heart never departed from the mission. Um, I just didn't have time. Like I now, I have missionaries over. I've talked to over in Iran and, and in Myanmar who have said, you know, we're trying to start a business to fund ourselves. And I'm just telling them, you just need to know you're going to have to commit two years of your of your life to doing this. We are just now. It will be September 13th. Will be three years since the Lord first told me it was time to start this, uh, to go back to work. And um, I'm just now getting to the point where I am spending as much time as these guys are doing this stuff. Um, and I have a business doing it. I've been able to hire people and put people in place. Half of my company sits in the back over here, which is great, and some of them are here. And that's been beautiful as well. So thank you, all of you that are part of it. But it's starting to free me up to where um, I'm sometimes spending entire days doing stuff. And uh, one of the things that we've done is, is, um, is prayer walking. And so what, 
what that looks like is people are like, well, prayer walking, what is that? Or how does it work? We, we had this initiative that came up. Um, we were encouraged by a coach that every movement of disciples that, that come to the Lord is predicated or uh, is, I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah, thank you. By prayer. And so prayer starts the discipleship movement. It's not just our actions. It's not just the going out. It's not just the being light in the darkness. It's the prayer. And so we began to push. We have a movement right now that we're trying to see happen. I'm going to invite all of you to participate in this because I've been looking for places to ask. Is By the end of this year, we would like to have 100 groups of at least three people who will commit to pray for one hour a month together in person very specifically for the lost of Rutherford County. That can be 15 minutes a week as a group. That can be one hour a month as a group. But we want it to be at least three people, right, so we can be intentional about it. And if you want to do that, we want you to let us know because we want to be able just to keep up with the, our, like the goal we have and we have people praying because we're pushing for this, and the, and the goal will grow. So as part of that effort, we started asking, like, you know, what do we, what do, we do? How do we find these groups? We started praying about that. And, and Derek, did Derek ever make it here? You hear Derek? All right. Well, Derek came to me uh, about a month and a half ago, and he's like, yo, man, he's like, I, want, I really want to meet, reach the hood. Is there like a hood in Murfreesboro? And so what's really great is I'm like, yes, I know a place. Because in this time that I've been doing this about, and I've shared this with John King and a few others, about five years ago I was driving down Mercury, and I had a vision literally of the face of the Lord over top of First and Sunrise at that corner, and he was at that corner, and his face was looking down, and there was a circle of, of African-American men that were there. There were six of them in the circle. And the Lord began to cry, and a teardrop fell down and hit the center of their circle. And when it did, all the men fell out under the power of the Spirit on the road in the middle of the neighborhood. And the Lord showed me he wanted to reach this neighborhood. And I was thinking, I don't know, how do I do that? What do we do? I, started, I just started praying into that. So as Derek called and said, hey, or was talking to me about going to the hood, I was like, I know the place. So, um, and we were doing this prayer initiative, so we decided to build a prayer team. So Derek and I were going to start going down there initially. And then, uh, as we were talking about going down there, we were, I mentioned it one day on the phone to Eve and Alice in one of our meetings. And Eve was like, oh my gosh, I love that community. I grew up there. I know that neighborhood. Can we join you? So we were like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And so what started was, we started what we called, and if you guys don't know the neighborhood, it's, we call it the State, the, the State Street Outreach. Because State Street is like one street that sits right between Maine and Mercury, and it runs down the whole length of that neighborhood, all right? And there's streets on both sides. So we just call it the State Street Mission, so plus it sounds good, so it works really well. Uh, it's a lot. So anyway, um, so we called it the State Stream Outreach, and we started going over there. Um, and what we decided to do initially was we were going to go over every Wednesday. For a half hour, we were going to drive and try to hit every street, and we were going to start praying over that community. And so we showed up, the four of us, and got in the truck, and we went, and we drove through the neighborhood. And, and as we prayed uh, as a team, and I want to just thank Mr. Ben here, helped facilitate the organization of all this, we had put together like a prayer guide that kind of helped us through how do we pray for an hour. Like a lot of people you say pray for one hour a month, and they're like, pray for an hour? Like I used to be there, like I was a Christian. I was like, <laughs> can we just like get to the point, God? Five, ten minutes, we're good, right? What, what's this look like? I mean, you know, how do you do it for an hour? Is there really that much to say? And sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's that much to listen to. So um, so we started doing the outreach, uh, going over there. Uh, even Alice started joining us. We just started getting to the point where uh, we were going every week. We started asking God to give us names within the community. 
So as we were praying in the community, God started giving inspiration to, hey, we need to go get our hair cut at that place, and we need to go have lunch at this place, and started, like, God really putting it in our heart to go to some of these places, and so we did one day. We got done with the prayer meeting, and it was lunchtime, and I was like, hey, let's go have lunch at Jeff's, and so we went to Jeff's, and we had lunch, and we met three or four people, and we got some names, and we started adding those names to our prayer list and driving through the community, and then one day, we had so many people show up to go on prayer with us because a few others were there, and uh, oh, oh, Danielle started coming with us. Danny, she started coming with us, and that made our car really full, and then Harrison came one day. He was with us, and uh, when he came, it was like, we don't have room in, in one car, so how do you do this? So we split into two vehicles, and we turned on a speakerphone, and we just hit the neighborhood from both sides. And we started driving through the neighborhood, and we were just praying. And we would go through, and we'd start out by just thanking God for his goodness and thanking him for anything in our life that we think is important, that, that, that we want to give him glory for. It's just a time of worship. And, and then we would go into praying for God's vision to be in our heart, for his will to be given to us, so we could uh, understand what his heart is for that community. Then we usually pull up a parable. We got a bunch of them that we have on a list, and we, we'll read through the parable, and as we're reading through it, we just listen to the Holy Spirit, and we pray the things of Scripture over that community, and we actually look for specific Scriptures that we pray into that community and pray over that community as well. We do all of that. Then we begin to pray for specific people groups that we know exist in Rutherford County and people groups that we've run into that are in that community, and we're asking the Lord to open their hearts and open their doors. Um, and every week, it's like God gives us new things. Like, we were praying on some of the people that were on the list, and uh, realizing that they weren't necessarily in the community, even though we had met them at the restaurant. So we started asking, like, God would give us specific houses in that neighborhood and people that were in those houses that he would open those doors. And so we began to, to pray for that, and we continued doing that. We, we pray for that, and, and we're praying for those individual people. And so our goal right now is, we, we, just from our, gr- our, our group, we spend 30 minutes a week praying over that neighborhood And the biggest thing that I would say has come of it up to right now, and this is really, really important as we're getting ready to pray together, is we're praying for them, and God is changing our heart. That's the powerful part, is God is saying, I want you to go here. We're having a heart for that house. We're having a heart for that restaurant, a heart for that community. We just found out this week, I forget who sent it to me, that they have a community garden over there. Found this out four days ago. I sent it to the team. I was like, hey, they're trying to do a, a community garden. Like, we should go plug in. You sent that, was it you? Yeah, yeah this man missed our connection here. Yeah. Um, and, and so we're, the prayers that we have for the lost, the prayers that we have to make disciples, when you begin praying, as hard as it is, and even if we don't know, when you do, God is going to give you, he's going to answer your prayers, and he's going to give you his heart for the lost and for that community. And it doesn't just end with that. This team will continue to grow as this community comes to the Lord. All right? And I believe that. I'm actually looking forward to we've actually gotten to a place now where we're praying for some members of our team who are praying that God will give them a house to rent in that community so it can become the first church plant in that community and a place of outreach. So we're looking for a place, like we're asking the Lord. We even found one house in particular. We're saying, Lord, just open the door. Help us meet the owner of that house. We can rent it in Jesus' name. And we're praying that God can begin to put them in that community so that there's just constant outreach uh, going on in that community. So prayer is, prayer is the power. It really is the power that, that allows this to happen. And I would encourage you 
that if you're sitting here going, what do I do? How do I get started? How do I reach my neighbors? How do I get to my community? Just meet people and pray. Not with them necessarily, but be in prayer for your neighborhood. If you want to reach your neighbors in your community, right, right next to you, start now intentionally praying for that community, for the lost in that community, for the broken in that community, that God would give you a heart, that God would give you a creative idea, that God would open doors of communication to meet them and get to know them. And then as that happens, just begin to implement some of that stuff and be available. Be available go, to go make them cookies, right? Bake them cookies and take it next door. But, but we have got to have prayer built into what we're doing or it will not go anywhere. So prayer, it's important. Um, so we've been going a while. I'm going to... Uh, that was awesome, and we could spend much longer talking further about that. I am going to make an announcement at the end about some prayer-related things, and so I'll, I'll, I'll tag back on, onto this conversation then. Um, we were going to do one more group prayer time, but I, let's, let's go ahead, and um, Megan is going to lead us in one more prayer, and then we'll, we'll uh, do communion and, uh, and then I'll end with the announcement about the prayer stuff. Father God, you are, you were, you are to be. You go before us. I think I, I hear more than anything in these stories today that it has nothing to do with what we are doing, but what you are already doing. You just ask for us to participate. You are in these neighborhoods. You are in these people's lives. You have created us to form relationship. Discipleship can sound like a scary word, can sound like a churchy word, God, give us wisdom. Help us to lean upon our brothers and sisters in Christ to form relationship because we have you, God. We say our God is an awesome God. And, and some of us don't live that out. We don't believe that. God, remind us of that today, every day, especially those Sundays when we come together and we, we take your bread and we take your juice and we remind each other of the power we all have in us that comes from you. God, remind us of the power we have in community as brothers and sisters because the other thing I hear from these guys is they are not doing this alone. They are seeking out brothers and sisters that are serious about shining their lights in the darkness. So God, give us eyes to see the darkness where we can shine our lights. Give us a listening ear to hear voices that don't know you, that are crying out, that don't even know they're looking for you. And God, may we be that. May we be the light that so many need in their lives. And God, don't let our selfishness get in the way when we start thinking about what we're doing. We in no way put these guys on a pedestal. God, we put you on a pedestal. 
And we ask today that you pierce our hearts to know what it is we need to pray about. And may we reach out to our brothers and sisters to pray with them for what you can do through us. Praise be to your name and what you are doing in this world. Open our eyes to how we can walk with you. Amen. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna, to uh, have our communion thought now, and um, Brother Rangenberg is going to lead us in that. God is good. All the time. God is good. It's all about relationships. No man is an island unto himself. We've heard those things. For those of us who have been buried with Jesus in baptism, resurrected with him, we've been made part of a beautiful, beautiful community. A community that's not without its faults, but nonetheless a very beautifully designed community. And the basis of that community is the one body that was broken and the one blood that was shed for you and me. And in that, we are bonded together. Not for ourselves, but for the greater community. God called us to be Christians, not just for ourselves, but for the whole lost world. A proclamation. Last one first. I want to tell you what I perceive in this church. Um, Not just what I hope about this church, but what I perceive. Um, These are the sorts of things that we have to discern together. But I perceive that Stones River is being called into a renewal of life. That we're at a time right now as a body where we can step forward into God's mission in a new way. Where we can discover what God is doing in new places and choose to participate in that work. And that that can remake our own family life in ways that are otherwise impossible as we share together in God's work. I perceive that we are at that moment and I'm extremely excited. Um, I'm extremely hopeful in the correct sense of that word, not just that I hope it happens, but that I'm filled with hope because God's Spirit is moving 
and it's right here in our midst. And I hope you, I hope you come away from this morning with a deep sense of appreciation. All over the United States, there are churches like ours, a little bit bigger, same size, a little bit smaller, that are dwindling. They're, dwind- they're gasping. They're trying to figure out, what do we do? The megachurches don't have it figured out. The ones with the, the, the preachers that draw all the attention for a while, they don't have it figured out. Nobody has it figured out. The Lord's church is struggling in our culture. We're, we're at a precipice, we're at a moment where we have to listen anew to what God is saying to us. And so few of those churches have stuff like this going on right in their front yard. So few of those churches have a model, have men and women who are willing to sit up in front and say, listen, we do not have it figured out. We've made a bunch of mistakes, but here's what we're trying. And and here's what we've learned. This is a blessing for us. It's a blessing for us to be in relationship with brothers and sisters who are stepping out in faith and trying to be obedient. So I, I, I hope it's been a blessing for you. It has for me. Here's the invitation and the challenge. We're going to enter into a season of prayer here at Stones River because stepping into God's mission isn't just, uh, it's not just a technique. It's not just a plan. It's not something you just say, well, this, we're going to do that now. The opportunity before us is to discern, is to listen really, really carefully, to try to see where God is calling us. And that that's prayer. That's what the Christian discipline of prayer is. It's not just asking God for stuff that we need. It's opening ourselves for God to show us where he's at work. And so here's what a season of prayer is going to look like, roughly. Um, first of all, Thursday the 26th, we're going to have our first prayer walk in this neighborhood. We're going to meet here in the evening at 6 o'clock. Um, have a little bit of orientation, a little bit of instruction, because that's what discipleship is. Uh, and then we're going to go out for a little while and prayer walk around here and come back and process that together. That'll be the first of a series of prayer walks that we're going to engage in. And we'll adjust times. If, that, if that's a time that doesn't work for everybody, we're going to try to work with schedules so that everybody that wants to participate can participate. We're also going to um, create some text prayer groups. There'll be a sign-up list sent out by email tomorrow where you can sign up to be a part of a text group. And that won't just be, uh, I'm part of a text group, and so now I can submit my prayer requests. We're going to give you some guidance about what's the focus this week. What are we praying about together? And within your group, you'll encourage each other and and pray about um, all sorts of things that are going to come up, because that's what God does. And finally, we're going to have a, a calendar a little farther down the road for uh, a month of prayer and fasting where you'll be able to sign up for a day or more uh, in which 
you'll be fasting and, and, and praying in that way as well, uh, precisely about what the Lord is leading this church to. Um, those are the sorts of things that we're going to try to do together, and we'll be discovering and learning, uh, just like the stories that were told. Um, I think we have to confess, uh, I have to confess, um, I've got a lot to learn about prayer. I've got a lot to learn about being diligent and attentive in prayer. And I want to do that together with you. I want to do that with my church family. I don't want to be by myself trying to be a more prayerful guy. Um, I want to lean in together. And so that's the challenge and the invitation. And love you all, church family. I'm thankful that you, that you hung with us this morning and that you've been willing to listen. And I hope you'll be willing to share what you've heard because the Lord may be teaching you some things that the rest of us need. God bless. Let me end with a prayer. Father, we are forever grateful for what you have done, forever reminding ourselves with the body and the blood, with worship, with the preaching of your word, that you have been faithful, you have been good. But I'm praying that you increase our awareness, Lord, of the ways that you're being faithful right in front of us, right here in this city. The ways that you're calling us into that faithfulness, calling us as witnesses. Lord, please open our hearts, open our minds, give us the vision that you have for our neighbors to whom you've called us to love. Give us the courage, the perseverance, the wisdom to be spiritual advisors, the community to rely on each other when we don't know what to do. Disciple us, Jesus. Use your people to disciple us. Give us the privilege of discipling others. Always for you. And in your name we pray. Amen.